Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is ValueSide for Friday, October 13. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. Well, today, what's a recession? Well, in the 78 years since the end of World War II, this country has experienced 13 economic recessions, or an average of a recession about every six years. Perhaps the strangest of all these downturns was when a president had a heart attack. The year was 1957, and the president was Dwight Eisenhower. The country was luxuriating in the years following the war when Eisenhower was stricken. A new technology, television, was emerging, and the nation saw the commander-in-chief in his hospital room. We realized then our leader's vulnerability for the first time in the post-war era. However, as is often the case, there was much more to this economic story than was first reported. This was immediately labeled the heart attack recession, and it turned out that the Federal Reserve had been hiking interest rates and tightening monetary conditions for two full years. It was the Fed's actions that more likely contributed to the decline. Now, finding out what a recession is is more challenging than it looks. As you search the Internet, you'll no doubt run into its definition as, quote, two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. And while that's a good beginning, it's only part of the story. The definition of a recession is much like the definition of a strike in baseball. As many players will tell you, a strike is whatever the umpire says. In the case of a recession, the umpire is the National Bureau of Economic Research, a not-for-profit organization in Washington. Now, the NBER has been calling the economy's balls and strikes since the 1920s. And like some baseball umpires, it has been known to make a questionable call now and then. For instance, it took the NBER over a year to call the end of the 2009 recession, and it took them several months to name the COVID-19 drop, the most significant in the nation's history, incidentally, to call it a recession. Now, each recession is unique, with several different factors contributing to the downturn. However, they all have one thing in common, one event that inevitably kicks off the decline. And that single factor is the Federal Reserve's money tightening. Now, the Fed can be very effective when it wants to slow the economy, and the attached chart makes it easy to see when the Fed begins the process because their favorite method of tightening monetary conditions is to raise interest rates. So as soon as they increase the Fed Fund's interest rate, as they are doing right now, you know a recession is on the clock. Now the problem is we need to find out when the recession might begin. In 1957 and 1972, a recession started a little more than a year after they began raising rates. In 1970, the Fed, however, had raised interest rates for eight long years before that recession began. On average, it takes about three years of higher interest rates before the recession begins. And currently, we're about halfway there. Now, recessions are like benchmarks. Although they're often not planned, they do present an excellent picture of the economy at any given time. For instance, from 1949 until 1970, the nation experienced five 
relatively minor recessions, each lasting less than a year, with a relatively rapid economic recovery. Now, the economy was strong back then, and it was a peak period for the United States with dynamic economic growth and a well-educated, hard-working population. America was at the top of its game. However, beginning in 1973, we faced three recessions that were different than anything we had seen before. These new recessions lasted longer, caused more unemployment, and were more severe than their predecessors. Not since the Great Depression or World War II had we seen recessions that were this dire. The 1973 recession showed our energy Achilles heel. It was the year of the OPEC oil embargo, and the result was a spike in inflation with those higher overall costs, resulting in a new phenomena we called stagflation. This recession resulted in 9% widespread unemployment and lasted for 16 months, the most prolonged recession since the Great Depression. Unfortunately, this relatively new oil-driven inflation would last. Less than seven years later, a revolution in Iran would again drive prices higher. Similarly, the Fed would raise interest rates, this time to astronomical heights, as the Fed funds rate reached 19%, an all-time high. This time, the unemployment rate hit 10.8%, and the recession lasted for over a year. Now, these two recessions marked the first time that energy-driven inflation entered into our economy. Then in 1990, the country experienced a relatively mild recession, mainly due to the Fed's effort to curtail inflation. And the longest peacetime economic expansion of the modern era began. However, by 2007 came the Great Recession, a recession centered almost entirely within the financial sector. What began as a subprime mortgage crisis, a crisis where many mortgage borrowers could not meet their monthly payments, and the result was a massive default across vast areas of mortgage-backed securities. Major financial institutions, such as Bear Stearns, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Lehman Brothers, all failed. Additionally, some money-centered banks were insolvent. Now, the Great Financial Crisis was the most significant financial crisis up to that time and needed a concerted effort by the federal government to extricate us. The GFC lasted for a year and a half, created 10% unemployment, and took a combined aid package of $1.4 trillion. Now, the final recession of the modern era demands a separate category all to itself. It was the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. The World Health Organization reports that 103 million people in the United States were infected, with 1.1 million deaths. There can be little doubt that this was a worldwide health emergency. It was also a most impactful economic event. Two aspects of the pandemic make it unique, its severity and its speed. The American economy went from full speed ahead to dead stop and back again in less than three months. 
It is the only recession the NBER has ever identified, lasting less than two quarters. The total lockdown for the pandemic only lasted two months, and at a 20% drop in the GDP, this was the most rapid decline in the country's economy ever. Now, the current estimate is that 15% of the country was thrown into unemployment, although that number is undoubtedly dramatically understated. Remember, all non-essential workers were required to self-quarantine. Two presidents, Trump and Biden, elected to send out $5 trillion in stimulus packages, more than double the aid package required for the Great Recession making this by far the most enormous recovery effort in history. From an economic perspective, the COVID-19 recession ought to be a lesson to all of us. This economy could not survive another lockdown of that magnitude. Now, recessions give us an excellent benchmark from which to view our evolving economy. From the growing industrial powerhouse of the 50s and 60s, to the energy challenge 1970s and the booming prosperity of the late 1980s and on to the 1990s. More recently, the great financial crisis of last decade and now to COVID. The American economy is constantly changing and adapting. Recessions can be a measure of both our progress and our failures. And that's the value sign for Friday, October 13. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.